Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Thank the Lord. Bunch of workaholics. I didn't start work until I was 10 years old. Didn't have a paying job till then. And I was sitting there thinking, <clears throat> and I, I, and it hit me. I was probably wrong, but I, I had made the statement some time back. I've oh, never had more than six jobs at one time, <laughs> and then I remembered the seventh one. <laughs> <clears throat> Jerusalem, we got a problem, <laughs> but God's going to work on it, and he's going to help us with it. Praise God. I'm glad to see uh, three of my former uh, church members from Bartlesville here tonight. They didn't know I was preaching, but they're here anyhow. And uh, I, I just want to go uh, straight to the, I believe my title slide was first. Um, I sent this in last night. Uh, are we? No, we're not there yet. Okay, there we go. And then our pastor said what he said this morning. And I thought, I'm seeing fingerprints. Now, I, I do want to this evening preach to our children, our young people. Um, I know this is a leadership service, but you'll see where I'm going in a little while. I want to specifically have the attention as much as possible of our children and our young people. In a leadership service, I have something to say to you tonight. This morning... Uh, there were several of the young ladies over here in a, in a little cluster or group as they so often do and I walked by and made some comment to them and I may as well have been in Mexico. <clears throat> now I am sure that if I were 12, 13, 14 it might have been a little different in uh, in the response, but I'm not 12, 13, or 14 anymore. In fact, you'd have to do multiples of that to get where I am. But this is a leadership service, and I want to talk to our young people tonight about leadership. We keep, uh, when I was growing up, they, it was said in the wording has not changed our children of the church of tomorrow 
Well, one of those children is just about through with his today, which was then's tomorrow. So let me, let me read some scripture here. In a, I've got two and a half pages of notes, and all but three lines of it is scripture. And then I've got uh, three lines of notes to myself for the rest of what I'm planning to say. But in Exodus chapter number 2 and verse 3, we begin with a story um, after the birth of Moses, and he had been hidden from Pharaoh and the armies of Pharaoh for three months. Chapter 3, or chapter 2, verse 3, and when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds, waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the banks, a bank of the river Nile. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby, and the little boy was crying. And she felt sorry for him, said, this must be one of the Hebrew children. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Hmm, little girl showed up. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby home, nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her ba the baby home and nursed him. Notice Miriam, for that's who we're speaking of, was given a job. Watch. But when the situation changed, she was quick-witted enough to seize the opportunity. She was a little girl. I don't know what the age difference was. That doesn't matter. What matters is that she left us an example that you don't have to be 40 years old to be involved in somebody's salvation. From 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we'll begin with verse number 3. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? 
And he got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he did. And uh, then the Lord called him, called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up, went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Go back to bed. Samuel didn't yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Another translation, an area tells us that Samuel, or in those days there was not an open vision. The Lord had been kind of quiet. So the Lord called a third time. And once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? And then finally, Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord called him as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak. Your servant is listening. Now, you read later on that Samuel became one of the greatest leaders in the history of Israel. He was a man who at the end of his public ministry could stand before the assembled group, the whole nation, and challenge them, is there anybody I have defrauded? Is there anybody I have cheated? Is there anybody I have not been fair with? And the whole nation had to stand mute until they said, you've been fair with all of us. You've never done anything that was out of the way. But it started, Lord, I'm listening. A little boy separated from his family, dedicated to God. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. Then in 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning with verse 2, there had been a raid. King James Version calls them the Syrians. Uh, New Living Translation, Arameans. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master, Naaman, who had leprosy, a great captain who had led the raid where she was taken as a, as a captive and made a slave, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl had from Israel had said. 
The rest of the story is that after great controversy and unbelief, finally Naaman was healed of his leprosy in a way that Jesus used that example in the New Testament to condemn Israel's unbelief. But it started with a little girl who probably didn't understand the mark of the beast, had no idea who the two prophets were, didn't understand anything about the winged leopard of Daniel's writings because it hadn't been written yet. But she did know something. God can heal. And there's a prophet in Israel that God can use. And I can tell somebody that. Now, for this last one, I would like for all of our young people, age 14 and below, to stand. 14 and younger. I want to see my audience. You say, well, Brother Moss, you're preaching to a small group. Yeah, but a lot of times it's the small group that's the important group. You see, as, as our pastor keeps reminding you, I'm not going to be here much longer. My number of years, I've got, unless I'm going to live to be 150, I've got more behind me than I've got ahead of me. But when I'm gone, when you're gone, what they do now is going to be determining what's happening with the church then. It won't be all of it, but it'll be part of it. I want you to stand and remain standing for just a moment while I read this last one from the book of Jeremiah. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you, say whatever I tell you, and don't be afraid of the people, for I'll be with you. I'll protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. You may be seated. Don't be afraid. Brother Moss, I'm, I'm not sure about talking to folks, and I'm, I'm afraid of, of, of dealing with situations, and what if I make a mistake? Well, let me 
share a little secret that we kind of keep from you. It doesn't matter how old you get. When you're starting something new, when you're doing something that's going to be important in the work of the Lord, you're always scared. You always have doubts. You always wonder. And I, I'm not as old as I hope to be. And I'm not as old as some people get. But I can tell you from right here, from this place in my life, that I still face those same things that are a problem to you of uncertainties and fears. Now, you may, you may look and say, oh, he's got it all together. Yeah, but if I do, I don't remember where I put it. I was talking to one of the people here in the district some time back. And in the course of our conversation, it was, it was a young man. And I made a comment to him. I, I told him we have, as a movement, a tendency to choose to pick our leaders young that we find someone and, and put them in a position and, and if they do well, then we, we keep using them over and over and over. And I didn't realize that when they started, when I was 24 years old and they elected me the sectional youth secretary uh, that's not much of a job, but it scared the daylights out of me. I'm supposed to be keeping books. I don't know anything about keeping books. I told him I didn't know anything about keeping books. And the district superintendent said, it's easy. You've got two columns, in and out. And a year later, I was district youth secretary. Three years later, district youth president. I edited the district paper for eight years and then set the record as the longest serving home missions director in the district. We tend to pick our leaders young and then just keep using them over and over and over. Now, that doesn't mean somebody can't come in older. I'm, I'm not trying to discourage you if, you if you didn't get elected to your first office at six. <laughs> but God's got, got a use for you. You see, we choose our leaders young, but God often chooses them younger. He chose Jeremiah before he was even born. I've got a sneaking suspicion that he chose Jeremiah 
before he was ever conceived. God knew he was coming. And he put a place for him in, the, in his plan. Let's have that last title slide. Well, that didn't work out too well. Some of them expanded in the moving. That's supposed to say it's just child's play and then the pictures around it. I don't know if you recognize anybody there. But the guy with glasses keeps showing up. And you'll recognize that those pictures are not something taken with an iPhone. Uh, in this lower corner over here, the lower right-hand corner to you, that's the three Moss kids. Roy Lee, Carrie Dale, Linda Pearl. I don't know how old we were at that point, but uh, that's the crew. Just above that picture, that's me. In my space cadet suit. You see, from as far back as I can remember, I was fascinated with rockets, space, science. I think if it had given me the budget and let me loose, we'd already have a colony on the moon. That and if the Lord hadn't interfered and changed my direction. I wore that thing to school. <laughs> and then down in the uh, lower left-hand corner, that's my brother and me. He was a cowboy, and I don't know what I was. Uh, we were, oh, we moved from that house. It's the same house. That's the outside of the house that I was inside in the uh, space cadet. Uh, some folk could make a real joke about that, about my mental abilities too, space cadet. But anyhow, we moved from there when I was eight years old. I imagine that I was early eight years old when the space cadet picture was taken because that's the, the living room I am in and that's my baby sister's uh, baby bed right behind me. Uh, 
three kids, my parents and my grandmother, we all lived in that two-bedroom house. Um, the two school pictures that are up there, the one on the left was, I guess that's second grade, the one on the right is third grade. So on the left, I was seven, on the right, I was eight. Anybody here in that range, age range, eight years old? Got one here, any others? Got one down? Okay. <clears throat> in the summer, between my second and third grade years at school, and that's public school, for those of you who are fortunate enough to be homeschooled and that kind of stuff doesn't matter. But uh, in the summer between those two pictures, when I was eight years old, and this is one of the reasons I'm preaching this, that I'm bringing this to you this evening. I was with my parents going to a church. It was what in our organization would be called a, a home missions or North American missions work. You see, the Bartlesville work was the third home missions work I was involved in. Twice in my hometown, my folks moved from an established church to a beginning church to help get it started. And this was the, in the uh, first of those situations. But we were on the, uh, in, in this area, and the, the church was, was built, and, and there was a, a large, I guess, parking lot or bare area. In West Texas, there's a lot of bare areas. <clears throat> And in that area right next to the church in the summer when I was eight years old, they had a tent revival. I don't remember if it was a week or if it was two weeks, but they literally came out there, they pitched a tent, and we would go night after night. I have no idea who the evangelist was. I don't remember a thing that was preached there, it's, it's just, it's gone. I don't know if I ever had much of a grasp of it to start with. Sometimes our young people, our children, they're not getting everything that's going on in the service. A lot of times it's not getting through to them, things that we could walk away from and say, my, wasn't that wonderful. Whoa, that was powerful. That was an insight that I'm glad I got. And the kids walk away saying, the candy lady didn't bring much tonight. <laughs> In an outdoor meeting, the bugs were bad. And they, they, they go home and it, it's been a whole, they've had a whole different experience than we have. But that doesn't mean that the Lord's not dealing, that the Lord's not moving. Because it was in that revival, that outdoor tent revival when I was eight years old, 
I didn't join the church. I'd already been a member of the church for two years. But I walked down that aisle at the, at the uh, tent revival to what they called surrender for special service. What that means when you translate it out of church speak for that group is that was when I got my call to preach. At the age of eight. How's God going to speak to an eight-year-old? Well, for one thing, if they'll stay awake. And we look at that and say, they went to sleep in church. Yeah, so do some adults. <laughs> but when they're awake, God may be speaking to them. Our leaders are here. They're ignoring us as they sit and talk to each other. They're wondering when I'm going to hush so they can see what the candy lady did bring tonight. But in all of that, God can be working with him. And when God speaks to you, don't just shove it off and say, I'm just a little kid. You're not just a little kid. You're somebody that God has touched. Somebody that God is interested in. Somebody that God is calling. So if God calls you, you prepare yourself. You make yourself available. Lord, your servant is listening. And don't use that excuse, I'm too young. I'm too young. God used Miriam to save Moses. God used the, uh, the little maid to work a miracle that they would be talking about nearly a thousand years later. God used a kid that didn't recognize who was calling him out of a dead sleep. That the church leader, the man who was in charge of the tabernacle in that day said, go away kid, you bother me. Go back to bed. I haven't got time for you. But God was moving. You don't have to get a bad attitude about it, but you can keep your ears peeled, if you will, to hear what thus saith the word of the Lord. God, they may not recognize what's going on, but I'm listening. I'm talking to leaders tonight. 
You adults, you generally get preached to. Let me preach to somebody else tonight. Let me preach to a generation that's coming up behind us of those that are going to one day fill this pulpit, that will one day be in other pulpits, that will be in places that are not on the stage, but they will be just as vital to the work of God as any preacher is. We came back this afternoon, came back through and uh, to, to pick up some things that we had left here at the, at, in the auditorium. I hope I'm not embarrassing, but Brother Antonio was up here vacuuming. Charity, you've heard me say this in, among the young people, that two very important men in this church are Brother Antonio, and he's not with us tonight, but Brother Neil. They're men that you don't hear much from, but I'm telling you what, if they didn't do what they've done, this place wouldn't look near as nice. In fact, people would not want to come here if this place were not vacuumed and, and cleaned and the lawn mowed and kept nice. It's the one of those things or it's a couple of those things that are so important, but you only notice them if they're not done. You can be used of God. You can be an important part of the kingdom of God if you never stand behind a pulpit and say anything. Besides that, you'd be scared too anyhow. <laughs> Remember what God had to tell Jeremiah? Don't be afraid of them because we're all afraid of them. I don't know why. You may say, I don't know why anybody would be afraid of me. Well, I don't either. But we are especially when we get to be a whole bunch of folks. We might be able to talk to them one-on-one, -on -one, but you get a thousand of them together and everybody gets nervous. If you hear God calling, prepare yourself to be of use in his kingdom. I don't know what that means in your particular situation. It depends on what he's called you to do. But prepare yourself. Study hard. Well, I don't know what to study. Study everything. You never know what might be useful. So just learn everything you can. Get to know the Word of God. I don't know how many of you remember, probably most of you, but Charles Schultz, the guy who did Peanuts, Charlie Brown, Lucy, Linus. He did uh, another series. It wasn't as wildly popular, but it was of teenagers. He said it was kind of like the, the Peanuts gang had stretched out into teenagers. 
And this one was even more focused on church and religion than, than the things that he did in Peanuts occasionally. And I, I've got a, a book of those cartoons, and, and in one of the cartoons, the guy is, is saying, I've started to unravel the mysteries of the Old Testament. I'm reading it. few pages over, he says, <clears throat> I used to consider myself an expert on the book of Revelation until I ran into someone who'd read it. You don't have to know everything about the book. In fact, I may, I, I've don't have any hesitation to stand here and tell you you'll never know everything about the book. But study it. Find out what thus saith the word of the Lord. Be listening. You need to pray. That's already been mentioned tonight. I don't know how long that you need to pray. What we call the Lord's Prayer, you can have it done in seconds. In the garden, Jesus said, could you not pray with me an hour? We have times when he's, we're told he spent all night in prayer. I guess one of the shortest prayers was what Simon Peter prayed on the Sea of Galilee. Lord, save me! Volunteer, and may I commend several of our young people. You may think nobody's watching. Maybe we're watching and just not saying much. And Sister Lila could tell you a lot more about the specifics of these things. But I noticed some of our young people volunteering. I noticed them getting their hands in the harvest, putting their shoulder to the wheel, getting, getting things done. Oh, it, it may not be big things, but that's where you start. Despise not the day of small things. Young people, work wherever you can. Work wherever you can. This is a leadership service. And tonight I am acknowledging your beginning role in leadership. Now, those of you who are above the 14 that I asked for, I'm really not leaving you out. I just wanted to emphasize them. Before you were born, I knew you, I chose you, there's a place for you. Doesn't have to be the spotlight. Sometimes you can get in the spotlight and it gets so hot you get burned by it. 
Miriam just talked to a woman that had found a baby. The little maid didn't talk to the captain. She talked to the captain's wife. Jeremiah said, I'm too young. I, I can't do this. I'm, I'm not old enough. Old enough, well, that's a sliding scale. And if you'll allow fear to paralyze you, you'll never be old enough until you're too old. I don't know how it happened, but somewhere along in there, I was too wet behind the ears, too green, and then suddenly I was an old fuddy-duddy. Just work where you find yourself. Make yourself available to God. I'm talking to leaders. Not leaders tomorrow. You've got leadership potential in those that you're around today. You can lead your brothers and sisters. You can lead the other young people. The young people of this church need your influence for righteousness, to stand for truth, to do what's proper. And God's depending on you to help his church be what he wants it to be. Let's stand.